Well, good morning, Bridgeway Church. Kids, you see your slide, so kids are all welcome to head off for Children's Church. And we've had such an awesome morning already. Wow, it's too bad you had to listen to me now. Like, it's kind of all downhill from here, because that was all really awesome. So I don't know if Connor's back in in the building yet, or he is in the building, back in the sanctuary yet. (laughs) But um, wow, that was incredible to uh, hear his story. And here's a declaration of faith and for us to be able to affirm him to, together to be a part of us and a part of our church body. Wow, and thank you, worship team. I've just been so blessed um, worshiping with all of you today. I was trying to contain my excitement. I mean, you, cl- you clapped and cheered so loudly after the baptism, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm getting some of my Pentecostal vibes here. I was waiting for some amens and hallelujahs after how great thou art. You didn't quite do it there, but you know, we'll get there. Like, it's okay. Like, Jesus is worth hearing all of the exuberance and joy and passion and truth. Ah, he's so good. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm... Wow, is there, it's great to see all of you here today. Like, what was really also fun to me was this section over here got so full today that some of the regular sitters over there had to come to the middle. So, <laughs> welcome here, guys. I see you so well now. That's great. We're, yeah, it's encouraging to see you here, and, and God bless you. Anyway, I should introduce myself to guests and visitors today. Welcome here if, if you are visiting. Uh, my name is Don, and I'm one of the pastors here. I serve as a transitional pastor. And that real excited, smiley pastor that you saw earlier, that's Pastor Darren. And that's really him. I know sometimes people think, boy, can he really be that happy? Integrity, man. He is. Now, Chantel's sitting up here and laughing because, of course, she knows him at home. And <laughs> uh, there's Connor and Darren. Bless you guys. I was just talking about you, but uh, I won't say anymore. Okay. So, I guess it's sermon time. Now, we're in a, in a series called Healthy Church, Biblical Church, and we've been focusing our last, actually, five weeks on the discipleship journey. And so, we unpacked what we call our discipleship steps, and then last week, we talked a little bit more practically about how we live out our discipleship steps to be a discipling church. Now, as you heard from Darren earlier about this very boring meeting after church today that I would like to suggest might be an exciting meeting because we're going to talk about vision and values and we're going to talk about new leadership in our church and we're going to, yeah, and even a budget is not just a boring thing, it actually is how we do ministry. And so, yeah, these are good things. Anyway, I'm getting off off already. So today, though, I'm going to focus on our vision and our values. So, a little bit of a... little bit of a side. So when I think of values, well, the first thing that comes to mind is Value Village. Now, I know that there's not a Value Village in Swift, but I did look it up and found out there actually is one in Medicine Hat, as well, of course, the two that I know in Saskatoon and the one in Regina. If you don't know what they are, it's basically a thrift store that resells things, and they take everything. Like, it's great. I love, like, when my wife gets into that, we got to clear out the house mode, Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And then there's like piles of stuff at the door that you're supposed to take somewhere. Well, what I love about Value Village, they take it all. So if you're doing a trip to Regina, Saskatoon, or Medicine Hat soon, and there's junk you want to get rid of, pile up the SUVs, Value Village will take it. It's kind of a cool place. Anyway, they do funny advertisements every once in a while. My favorite one of all time was at Halloween when their uh, advertisement was, come to Value Village where you can look creepy for cheapy. Anyway, I thought that was pretty clever. 
Also, when I think about Value Village, I, I always think of this African proverb quote that you see there, it takes a whole village to raise a child. And we'll, we'll maybe talk a little bit about that later. Now, I kind of got off, though, in my research and started to think about villages. Now, as I've come to Swift, um, you know, there's a lot of villages around here. A lot of you are from the surrounding villages, and you like to laugh at me when I get them mixed up, or I didn't realize there was a blue minority here. I thought you were from Manitoba. Dumb things like that that I've done. But anyway, I did a little bit of research on, on, uh, on villages. So, Brent, you can bring up, that, bring up that slide. So, I found out that there are 250 villages in Saskatchewan. The largest village is Cairnport at 994. Now, after 500, you're supposed to incorporate as a town, but I guess they've just decided to stay with village status, so then they get to be the largest village. I don't know if that's fair or not, but it's just what the stats say. And then the smallest um, villages, and again, they're, they're actually under village size, but they were years ago incorporated to villages, so they still get to be villages, even though they only have 15 people. And so I think all of you from down here know about Urnfold, one of the weirdest towns in Saskatchewan, because it's kind of like where the Trans-Canada splits and it's miles apart. Like, what's with that? Anyway, you guys live here. I know where Keeler is too, and Crydor is actually near Redbury Bible Camp. Anyway, now here's your trivia testing question on villages today. So for you Walmart, Success, Waldeck, or Stewart Valley people, or all of you Swift, pe Swift people that know about these villages. So your skill testing question for today is, which is the largest of these villages? Okay, so just wait. Don't give away your answer yet. You can whisper and think about it. Okay, so here we go. So coming in at number four, the smallest of those is success at a whopping population of 45. So my Uncle Peter back there, who lived near success, I went there a lot as a kid. It was a little bigger than 45 when I went as a kid, but uh, anyway. Then coming in at third place... Stewart Valley at a whopping 91. Yes, Wheatman's 91 in Stewart Valley. That's great. I know you guys aren't right in the town, but you know, you appreciate those 91 people. Okay, so now it's vote time. So is the biggest village, you don't shout it out loud, we're going to see, we're going to take a vote here. So who thinks that the largest village is Weimark? <laughs> Just two hands, and know what's really funny? is the two hands that went up were two people that are a little bit newer to Swift. I don't know, Mike, maybe you've been 10 years or so here? Okay, I'm guessing. <laughs> all right, the rest of you all, it's the Waldeck. You are correct. Waldeck, according to my calculator, or what I researched, is uh, 294, whereas Stewart Valley is only 148. So quite a bit bigger. Or what did I say? No, I meant Weimark. See, I'm still getting them mixed up. <laughs> yes, Weimark is second. It is 148. Now, just to add one more, one more um, trivia thing that you don't answer now, but you have to think about it, and you can find me later. In this little reporting here, I made one mistake. I probably made more, but there's one mistake in my, in my statistics reporting here. Not a number, necessarily, but let's see if any of you can figure out what that mistake was and find me later. All right. So, what, does this sermon have anything to do with villages? Not at all. That was just me to have some fun with you, and I've been really enjoying being in Swift and getting to know your community, and yeah. So, now this quote, it takes a whole village to raise a child. What I want to ask today when we talk about our vision and our values is, what's our village? What's our Bridgeway village? What's our vision? What do we value? Who are we 
and who is God calling us to be? So that's what this whole discussion has been about in this last month when we did the discipleship steps, and now today when I talk a little bit more about our mission or our vision and our proposed values. So you see up there um, that our overall purpose is that we exist to glorify God and to make him known. And then the mission or vision, I'm using those words interchangeably, but our mission or our vision is simply transformation in Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about over the last months. That was a discussion at a congregational meeting um, a couple months ago when we talked about this. And you know, a big part of this mission or this vision of being transformation in Jesus is we want a statement for you as a church that is meaningful, memorable, and that actually can, that you can remember to articulate. So that if someone would ask you, hey, what's the vision of Bridgeway? You can say, our vision is transformation. What do you mean by that? Well, we want to be a church where we as individuals are, are constantly working at and wanting to be transformed in Jesus. And that all of the ministries that we do, everything that we do, we evaluate them and want them to be about be people being transformed in Jesus. Bottom line, we do lots of other things in lots of other ways, but bottom line, that's our mission. That's our vision. Those are the kind of people we want to be. So that's what we've been talking about with vision. And then you'll see here these values. Now, we haven't talked about these, these yet publicly here. We did at our last meeting. But these values come from our leadership teams meeting together and praying and discussing. And, and also then we presented them to the congregation in a meeting back in December. And, and we talked about these values. Now, remember, values are not goals. Values are like markers or a lens by which we see ourselves as a church. I think it's really important for a church's values to actually be reflective of who you are. Now, often what churches do is they make values almost like these ideals that they hope and want to be. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that those kinds of values actually don't describe you. They're more like, this is what we should be to be good Christians. Whereas I think values become useful to a congregation and to a leadership when they become guiding principles for us that reflect who we are, our personality as Bridgeway. So this is the list, and I'm going to unpack them a little later in the message to just give you a little, little more definition as to what we mean by intergenerational, scripture foundation, ministry involvement, authenticity, and relationship. But with that hanging there, now a step back to vision. So, does vision matter? Does vision matter? Well, I would suggest to you from Scripture that it does. Proverbs 29, 18, and the King James says, where there is no vision, the people perish. NASB says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Interesting language, eh? ESV says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. And finally, the NLT, when people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. So according to Proverbs, according to Scripture, according to God, vision matters because vision gives purpose, it gives direction, and it helps to avoid confusion and stagnation. Now, we could just simply say, we don't need a mission or a vision because it's just clearly stated in Scripture. You could say, well, Don, every week now you've been saying that our foundation is the great commandment, and the Great Commission, right? So the Great Commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbors yourself, do that, Great Commission, go and make disciples, do that, that's enough mission and vision, let's just go. Okay, in part, I agree with you. However, what I would suggest to you is that I think it's 
The reason that a local church needs a specific vision and and specific values that are unique to them is because we need to do the work as leaders, as congregation, and on our knees in prayer to say, okay, God, what are the uniquenesses of Bridgeway? What are the uniquenesses of Swift Current that you've called us to? Who are you? Who are the uniquenesses, the values of who we are as Bridgeway, and how does that practically and effectively lead us and guide us? Because remember, vision gives purpose and direction and helps us to avoid confusion and stagnation. You see, we can have the ideals of the two great commandments, but if we're all just living them independently and trying to figure it out on our own and hope that we get something out of church and that our ministries sometimes do something, we probably don't have much vision. We're probably not accomplishing discipleship. So we need vision and values to guide us and also to avoid confusion and stagnation. So I want to suggest to you from Scripture that vision is about foresight and vision is about insight. Foresight meaning the spiritual sight aspect of vision. Now to talk about that, I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now, I only have a couple of the verses from this text on the screen. So if you have a Bible or if you have it on your phone, I encourage you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 because I want to read the whole section from 6 to 16. And this is an incredible, incredible verses that Paul is writing because he's talking about a miracle and he's talking about a mystery. And he's unpacking a mystery that the ancients could never have fathomed. And yet it's a mystery that's revealed to us as followers of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is an exciting text that speaks into spiritual insight, the kind of spiritual foresight that we have and need as followers of Jesus. So we'll pick it up in verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. So the assumption there is he's speaking to us, the mature. Maybe we don't feel like it, but there's the assumption. Anyway, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written... What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But 
we have the mind of Christ. Now, I know at times that probably sounded really wordy and like, where on earth is Paul going here? It's incredibly exciting where Paul is going here because Paul is revealing a miracle and a mystery. And Paul is saying some incredibly profound things here that I think should have us just stand back and be utterly amazed that he's saying this about us individual followers of Jesus. Well, well, what do I mean? So when he talks about the mystery of the gospel, the mystery of the gospel is, or sorry, let's, sorry, the miracle. Start with the miracle. The miracle is what Jesus did. The fact that God became human, dwelt among us, and then to take care of sin and forgive us, went to the cross, and then defeated death by being raised from the dead. That's the great miracle. But then he goes on to talk about this mystery. And you see, this great mystery is the fact that now God sends his spirit, and that those who believe and follow Jesus, that now God's spirit dwells within us. God's not just out there anymore. God's in here. If you believe in Jesus, God's spirit lives in you. That was a profound mystery. So the ancients, they wondered, how could this ever be? Like when the prophets would prophesy strange things like, like there will be a day when we won't have to say, know the Lord, because we'll know him. There will come a day when we won't have to say, know the laws, because they'll be written on our hearts. Because there was this great mystery coming that one day God would live in his people. Now, if that hasn't excited you for a while, you could get Pentecostal here and shout some hallelujahs and amens, but it's pretty amazing. You see, God's spirit transforms our spirit. Okay, did you catch at the end there, verse 16, he quotes Isaiah when he says, but who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Almost like God is so high and great and lofty, of course none of us mere mortals could instruct him. And then Paul throws in, but we have the mind of Christ. What? Do you kind of get what Paul's poking at here? He's like saying, if the Holy Spirit is in you and you're being transformed, then that transformation process means that you develop the mind of Christ. That you mere human, because of the miracle of Jesus and because of the mystery of the filling of the Holy Spirit, can develop the mind of Christ. You can think God's thoughts. You can be instructed by God. You can understand God. You can know God's will. You can be led by the Spirit. That's the mystery. That's revealed. But we have the mind of Christ. And there's so much in there. So, when we understand that mystery of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, of the Holy Spirit transforming us, the Holy Spirit transforming us so that we develop the mind of Christ, we understand the kind of journey we are on. And we understand that discernment, or this foresight we're talking about, comes from God's Spirit teaching, transforming, and then testifying to our spirit. So that's how we discern together. That's why I'm suggesting that vision and values matter in a church, and that vision and values matter to a congregation and to leadership teams. Because as followers of Jesus, we have the mind of Christ, and we learn to hear the Spirit, and we seek the Spirit for how he is leading and guiding us as a church, yes, in very specific ways. So, foresight, the the spiritual sight aspect. But, But there's also the idea of insight, which is the wisdom aspect of vision. 
And I just want to show you this really cool verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. It's kind of one of these verses that's hidden away that we don't often see. But it's talking about a certain tribe of Israel called Issachar. And this is what it says about them in ESV first. Of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. 200 chiefs and all of their kinsmen under their command. Or NLT says it a little differently. From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. What we need in the church of Jesus Christ today is spirit-filled men and women who are like these men of Issachar. That because of the Spirit of God filling us and testifying to our spirit and transforming us into the mind of Christ, that we develop the kind of spiritual insight and we develop this kind of spiritual wisdom where we can be people that understand our times and know what our churches should do. You see, that's a part of why we discern together as the body. That's a part of why we have a ministry team and elders to help lead that discernment process, is that we need to understand our times. We need to see what God is doing in 2023 in Canada, in 2023 in Saskatchewan, in Swift Current, and how God is calling us uniquely to meet the needs and the challenges of that culture around us. It's not all about compromising. It's all about this kind of spiritual wisdom, like these men of Issachar, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Could that be our process? Could that be the kind of leadership that we strive for here? Pray for it. Seek it. Lord, Lord, let it be. Wisdom from experience and leadership gifting can guide in the development of these vision and values that I believe are really important for us as a church to have direction and clarity of, of where God's calling us to go. So that would be my spiritual foundation of why I think vision and values are important because spiritual discernment and direction, I believe, is so biblical and so important for us. So may God lead us and guide us as a church, even as we make some decisions on this uh, later this afternoon. So I'll try to wrap this up now with a quick um, explanation of what our values are, just because I know there's been some confusion over what some of these words mean. So I'll do my best to wrap this up pretty quick, but let, let's walk through them. So our first value, you'll put that one up, Brent. Our first value is called intergenerational. Good, I think you can see that all right. So what does intergenerational mean? I'll just walk through my bullet points. Um, intergenerational means worshiping and serving together as a spiritual family. Now one of the things I've loved that I've heard Pastor Darren say many, many times in my 10 months here is how much he refers to you as family, that we are spiritual family, and I love that. And that has been so clear to me in observing this body, that spiritual family is such a high value, and that's kind of where it all starts with naming this value of intergenerational. So an intergener uh, th this value means that all gifts and creativity from all generations are valued. Now, it doesn't mean that we're opposed to age-based ministries. They are important, right? So we still need youth group, we still need mops. We still need seniors moments. We need, we need certain ministries like that. They're important and needed. But again, they're purposeful in generational respect and relationship. That's what being, and, and I see that as a value here at Bridgeway in so many ways. However, 
when we have corporate events, meaning when we have events where the whole family's together, and the most common one of those, of course, is the worship service, because of this value, these aren't age-targeted, but they aim to reach all generations. Now, some churches do choose to age-target certain, a certain generation in terms of their corporate gatherings. And if God's Spirit is leading them to be that way, and if that's the value of that church, well, good on them, praise God. But I'm suggesting to you that that would not be a value or the direction that God is leading Bridgeway in. That was, that's what I'm suggesting by this value. So, um, yeah, I could talk about that more. But, so when we gather together, it's like, again, back to this whole idea of spiritual family, right? So imagine your family, your family all together, right? Now, the way family works is that, you know what, sometimes the grandparents and the adults are delighted to make, an, to make the event of the family about the kids because they love the kids. They're like, you know what? We may, be, we may do an activity or whatever that wouldn't be our favorite, but we love our grandkids and our kids, and so this, this gathering, we're going to make it all about the kids, right? Or there's times when the kids may be at a family gathering, and there might be an adult activity or something that the grandparents like to do that maybe is kind of boring for them or doesn't relate to them, but because they love their parents and because they love grandpa and grandma and honor them, they're, they're happy to put aside maybe what they want to do what the family is going to do together. Right Now, I know that maybe sounds like such an easy concept to understand, but can I encourage us, church? We're a spiritual family. Let's not get caught up on what I like, what I prefer, music I want to sing, the way I think the service should be structured. Not that those things are wrong. You know, it's, you know the fact that we all have different musical preferences and tastes, right on, have them. You know, the fact... Those are great things. But we need to remember that those are our preferences. Those are our musical tastes. And it doesn't make them good or bad. It just makes them ours. They minister to our spirit. You know, the, the example of music is so overused, but it's important because it happens in church all the time. But, you know, I loved even this morning. Did you notice our work, work, worship package? We sang some beautiful new songs, and we sang some beautiful hymns. Because we're a family, and because this is our value, is being an intergenerational church. And can I just plead with you, family? This is where I'm pleading now. I've been here long enough to, to get to that stage of, of being a pastor among you. Is let's not, let's not get distracted by fighting over traditions or fighting over preferences. It's okay to have them. But let's be like the family. If there's some songs you hate, but other people love, bless that. You know what? I can be just as warmed in my spirit singing How Great Thou Art as the song just before that was newer. Now, do we need to be discerning and make sure that our songs are theologically sound, whether old or new? Absolutely. But again, let's not get hung up over style or preference. Let's remember that we're a family and let's be a family together. Young people, honor the older generations. There's so much we can learn from them. Get to know them. You model this so well in so many ways. You know, and those my age and older, my senior brother and sisters, respect the younger generations. When you see that they love Jesus and they're on fire, who cares if you hate their music? If they love Jesus and want to follow him, let them listen to and even drive you crazy with some of the music you hate. That's okay. We're a family. And if you're honored, 
and respected, and they're honored and respected. That's how we do family. Anyway, too much of a rant there, but that's what I mean by that last point that there. So I, want, I believe intergenerational does not have to be a value that holds us back in any way from being an authentic expression of church and swift current. I think it's actually an advantage. I think that when people come to church and they see that a family submits to each other, that a family honors and respects each other, and that we are not divided by any age type things, but we're united in respect for each other. That's awesome. That's why I love this value. So, I hope I explained that one. That was for sure the longest one. The other one's a little easier to explain. So, the next value that I see as being very, very important to Bridgeway Church is scripture foundation. And that means that we see the Bible or the scriptures as our authority in discernment and in practice. And I could go lots into that, but I think you all understand. And it's, I'm not making this one short because it's any less important. It's because I think we understand this is our authority. And I believe this has been and always will be that in all the decisions we want to make as a church going forward, that we always want this value to stand strong. This is where our authority comes from. This is what we test it on. This is what we measure it by. Extremely important value. So that one's number two. Then we move on to number three, which is ministry involvement. Now, what I mean by this is that we aim to include everyone in serving here. Now, you may think, well, that's just the church. Shouldn't all churches be like that? Well, yeah, but you know what? I've noticed here that that is a really important value to you. It's like we want everyone serving, and that everyone serving is just so important for us to be a healthy community, and, and I agree. And this part, too, gifting is important, but not meant to be exclusive. Serving can be an opportunity to grow and develop, and I've seen that here, too. You much more value, you know, rather than just, oh, just, just the people who are really good or gifted at something get to do it. No, it's like we want people to grow and learn and discover their gifts and have opportunities. And maybe when they first start something, they might not be that great at it, but maybe they have an opportunity to develop and grow in that gift. And I think that's an awesome value to have. Now, I do think that spiritual gifts and gifting is important. In fact, one of our topics coming up in Biblical Church, Healthy Church, is I'd like to do a couple weeks on spiritual gifts. But I do see that this ministry involvement value is really important to you. And, and another word that could describe this is a word accessibility. And I see that here too, that you, you, you want there to be, you don't want it to be cumbersome for people to get involved, but you want there to be systems in place and relational ways for people to have accessibility to get involved and know that there's an open door to be involved in ministry here. So, ministry involvement, number three. So number four is the word authenticity. And what I'm saying here is we strive to give our best, and let me just say thank you to those of you who work hard for us to give our best here in all ways. We strive to give our best, but we value real or genuine overproduction. So that's what I mean by authenticity or being authentic. We're not trying to be like another church or trying to be like another ministry or like some book that we read that says how the church should be. And again, not that there aren't incredibly great churches out there that are extremely different than us. And so there should be. That's how the gospel is going to reach all people because we have unique churches that are doing what God's called those unique churches to do. So I see this value in us that 
as the bottom point there, rather than trying to be like other churches, we purpose to seek God's direction for our unique expression of church. So you can see my little joke with the pictures there, right? I mean, hey, I, would lo- I love going to uh, big worship conferences, and I would, I would go to Bethel and Hillsong stuff, and yeah, I would be the crazy person in the front jumping around and raising their hands, and the production at some of those things is incredible. I was talking with Dave Funk, or is he somewhere? We were reminiscing about Breakforth conferences that are already really old to all the young people, but man, they were productions, and yet really, really powerful expressions of worship. So again, I'm not saying production's bad. Production has a place, and some churches are going to do that really well. I guess what I'm suggesting is the authenticity of Bridgeway is we want to be real to who we are. And again, that doesn't mean junk for Jesus. That doesn't mean that we don't strive to give our best. We always do. But let's just be authentic in who we are. So that's what I mean by authenticity. And then the last value, number five, is relationship. And when I say relationship, I'm meaning a lot of things here, so bear with me. So first of all, relationship with God and each other. That we be a relational community, very important to us. So this value, though, kind of indirectly says that even though good structures are important and necessary, we actually value organic life in the church over structures. So part of this relationship value that I see in you is, again, the relational over the structural. And again, it comes from this desire for everyone to experience welcome and care. Now, when we met um, with the whole congregation at a meeting to discuss these values a couple months ago, one of the things that came up for me, which was really good, was this whole value of welcome and care being a key value of Bridgeway, and I agree. So we could make that a separate one, but I'm just letting you know that I'm seeing that value in in this value of relationship, that that we want to be a church that's welcoming and caring, and and it all is kind of, in a sense, under the umbrella of this value of, of relationship. So, just so you understand that. Now, now one example, Brent, if you go to the next slide, this idea of, of, of organic growth over structure, it's this illustration that I love from a book called The Trellis and the Vine. And so you'll see the vine growing up on a trellis. So here's the example. If you build a beautiful trellis, but you do nothing to care for the vine, it's kind of a useless trellis, Right? And yet, if you have a trellis, if you have this beautiful growing vine, but there's no structure for it to grow up on, no structure for it to spread out so it can become fruitful, then that's not good either. So the whole example of trellis and vine is sort of that tension between structures, necessary structures, and organic growth. And you know what? We need both. So I commend your leaders in the past that came up with the governance model that you see in the tree out there. It's a good governance model. Now, I know some of you get mad when I say that because you've been frustrated at times with how things have worked, but I just want to say to you, you have every right to be frustrated with how things have worked, but it's not the fault of the governance model, it's the fault of us humans that don't follow the model very well and make mistakes. But the model, the structure, the trellis is actually a good trellis. But do we need to do a lot of work to work that trellis well and to see this organic growth? And again, the reason that we would... I would say that we um, value relationship or, or organic growth over structure is that no matter how incredible a great structure would be or a great trellis would be, if there's no fruit, it's useless, right? So again, both are needed. 
but the emphasis on fruit, and that comes from organic growth, and, the, and all that we do relationally, spiritually, to produce organic growth in the church. And yes, to have the structures there for it to grow up on. But anyway, that's what I mean by those five. So, I hope that helps. In my report, that's uh, in the, the annual report for today, I write out these definitions if you want to clarify them some more or even have discussions with me about them. So, as we conclude, I thought, how do we conclude this message? So, you already see a very well-quoted and loved and famous verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14. I noticed it the other day sitting up in the youth room. So it's beautiful. It's awesome that our youth and the Sunday, adult Sunday school class that meets up there can sit and stare at this verse because it's a great verse to sit and stare at. It's an even better verse for us to actually walk in. And so when I think of us moving forward as a church, who has God called Bridgeway to do? Where is God, by the power of his spirit, leading you as Bridgeway? Could this be our prayer? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Oh, Lord, let it be. Lord, let it be. Can this describe Bridgeway and the process we want to be on to being the church that God is calling us to be? So bow in prayer with me and let's pray through this prayer. So Lord Jesus, because of what you have done, we can boldly declare that we are your people. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the privilege of being your daughters and your sons. Wow, we thank you for that. And Lord Jesus, we also know from the New Testament, from your scripture, that we are called. We are called. You have chosen us. We are your people. And so, Lord, from that position, that miracle of what Jesus did, that mystery of your spirit living within us, we worship you. Thank you that we are your children. And so, Lord, from this position, oh, Lord, help us to humble ourselves. Lord, help us to seek you. Oh, Lord, forgive us for pride. Lord, forgive us for the pride of thinking that we know what's best, that we know what's right, that we know what others or leadership should do or what the church should do. And, oh, Lord, let just, Lord, deliver us. Deliver us from pride. And, Lord, I pray that we will humble ourselves before you and before each other. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would draw us to our knees and, Lord, that we would become seekers of you. Lord, that we would passionately seek your face, seek you in the scriptures, seek you in our spirit as your spirit testifies. Lord, seek you in nature. Lord, seek you wherever you are. But, Lord, make us seekers of you. And, Lord, I pray that as a family, as a church leadership, Lord, that we would not settle for what God has said to others, but, Lord, that we will seek your face for how you're leading us. Oh, Lord, make us that way. And, Lord, I also pray that you will lead us to repentance, that we will turn from our selfish, wicked ways. And, Lord, you promise here that when we do that, you're going to hear from heaven 
You're going to forgive our sin and you're going to heal, heal our land. So Lord, as we claim this promise and pray this prayer today, oh Lord God, we ask by the power of the name of Jesus that you will heal Bridgeway Community Church. By the power of the name of Jesus that you will heal our land. Bring healing to Swift Current and region to the province of Saskatchewan. God, bring your healing. Oh Lord, we cry out, heal this land. Your kingdom come and your will be done here as it is in heaven. And so we pray this all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we transition from this service now to lunch, Lord, thank you that we can fellowship together. Lord, thank you for those who have worked hard to make us yummy soup and the yummy food we're going to eat. And I just pray your blessing on those who serve us in that way. Yeah, so Lord, I bless our conversation and our time together over lunch and also our meeting coming up this afternoon. And again, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you made it through and I am done before 12 o'clock, so... So, um, yeah, as quickly as you can get through the lines and get eating, that would be great because we would like to start our meeting as early as possible to be respectful of all of you. And just to say you're all invited to stay, even for the meeting, if you say, well, I'm not a member, does it? No, no. If you love Bridgeway and you want to be a part of where we're going in the future, you are invited. Please come.